Now on the stretch now with Norman Dancer out in front. He'll rise coming at him on the outside. Texas period on the outside to take the lead. Sham holding in second. It's Texas period moving away. He has it by two and a half. Seattle's smooth opens it to four lanes. It's all swell. He's there by four lanes. Here comes Ferdinand on the rail. In the final furlong, it's Ferdinand getting the lead. And down the stretch they come. Winning colors in front. And Street Sense goes right on by Hart's Fun. Street Sense has taken over and opens up here. 16th to go, an American Pharaoh and firing line. And it's American Pharaoh pulling away late. American Pharaoh rules the Derby. to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky Derby Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, me, C.C. Broadus, and our special guest, J.J. Heisel. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special day. This is our annual Kentucky Derby Seminar, and we're glad you joined us. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday night. Of course, they had the draw. This afternoon, they drew all the cards, the, the Friday Oaks card and the uh, incredible Saturday Derby card today. And we are going to go over the Kentucky Derby field. And joining me, as always, is Alan Schneider. Now, Alan, we've had a week off. Uh, you, you should be fresh and ready to go. I heard you were kicking the barn down earlier. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, how are you preparing for Kentucky Derby 148? Well, I tell you what, uh, number one, after tomorrow, I'm off for the rest of the week. Like a lot of Louisvillians, we, t- we take a lot of time off during this week. The smart ones do, at least, or the dumb ones, however you want to look at that. Uh, I can tell you, for instance, we have not tried to over-talk the Derby on here on this podcast because, you know, that it gets talked to death over these next three weeks, and, and there's a million podcasts talking, talking ad nauseum. So we thought we'd wait until the week of. And wait till we had a true expert on with us to to help, right? And that's how I'm preparing, listening to what she's going to say. And, uh, you know, and of course, I have my thoughts as well, too, but interested to hear everyone else's. Well, before we get to our special guest, I got to admit, when I woke up this morning, I, the first thing that came to my mind is, uh, I wonder what Brandon Jaggers, I wonder what he's picking in the Derby. <laughs> and we're going to find out uh Tonight and Brandon, uh, welcome. Finally, finally, you're back. I know you took um, most of the month of April off uh, as per your contract with uh, the Auxiliary Gate LLC. But uh, we're glad to have you back. That's right. I tell you, the the Derby air 
I mean, you can feel it. I mean, yeah. I, I went to their, the, the, the kickoff luncheon and it, and it all started from there. I've been to the backside, uh, three mornings to see uh, both the Oaks and Derby, uh, contenders work out. I've seen some works, uh, visually impressed with certain horses and, uh, you know, I'm going one more time tomorrow morning and then I, I'm probably going to hone in on my final selections for these two big races. But these other cards, I'm going to be at the track Tuesday through Friday. So I'll be all Whew. over the place. A lot of turf club on, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, Aristides room. And then I'm going to some stakes room tomorrow with a, a big outfit. So I'm not real for sure where I'm going to be, but I'm, I'm totally looking forward to it. They brought out some new bets that we haven't had at Churchill. I uh, love those $3 pick threes. Uh, didn't do too well at Keeneland on them, but, uh, hopefully I'll, I'll do well here at Churchill. Yeah, they've got a, like a, a 50 cent all dirt pick five and a $3 sophomore pick three. So there's different wagers on, uh, on Derby Day. Maybe are they doing the, the two day pick six? I haven't heard about that. They, they, uh, there's yeah. so many combinations and stuff of these things. I mean, there's like 11 pick fives on set. It's hard to keep up, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's a $2, and then they're still going to do the 20 cent pick six, but some of those are just, that's impossible. I, I might do the 20 cent one, but if I can string six together, that would be a miracle. Indeed. So last but not least, we had to have somebody tonight to do the heavy lifting, uh, as the three of us are basically mental lightweights. So we we went to our go-to, our clutch performer, that would be J.J. Hysel, and I believe she's on the line. J.J., how are you doing? Hi, guys. How are you doing? Oh, we're excellent. It's Derby Week in Louisville, and we're excited to be here, and, and we're excited to have you along. It's great to be here. It's the race we've been waiting for for so long. <laughs> so, J.J., you uh, you – you pointed us in the direction of Medina Spirit last year, and we're going to get your opinion on all these horses. Uh, have you been able to get to the backside and uh, and, and and judge the, the the horse flesh of these beautiful animals? Uh, yes, I didn't miss today though. I wanted so much to see um, the 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 California horses, but my my allergies kicked in. I had to go get my allergy medicine today. But um, I, I really want to see Messier and and Taba in person. Um, I've, I've heard Messier from all accounts is is an absolute Goliath in size. Um, they showed a picture of him with Harley, the draft horse pony that everybody loves, and he was as tall as Harley, Harley 17.2 hands. So uh, it must be wonderful to to see see the California horses right there. Are all of the horses, all the derby horses on the grounds now? I believe they are, because Wida Barrio arrived, uh, I believe, very early in the morning this morning. So from my accounts, all of them are there now. Yeah, I think they had to be there prior to the draw. Is that, I think that's right. Yeah, that's okay. right. All right. Well, you know, without further ado, let's dig into this because I'm pretty excited about uh, getting everybody's opinions on all this stuff. Uh, uh, real quick, uh, we'll touch. Like I said, the draw was on Monday, which is uh, when we're recording this Monday Monday evening. Uh, I think uh, maybe the biggest controversy so far, uh, well, outside of uh, Unoho was uh, declared from the race. Uh, the one-eyed horse is is out, and he was replaced by Ethereal Road for the uh, D. Wayne Lucas farm. He, Ethereal Road is now in. Unoho is out. But the other controversy, I assume, is, I mean, it's not much of a controversy at all, but it's the, the morning line. Uh, Alan, you, you, you want to chime in on the morning line real quick? 
Uh, yeah, you know, I think Michael Tagley, a legendary, legendary guy. I thought, I thought the morning line was a bit off. I mean, I'm sure a lot of other people do, and there's no such thing as a, a perfect morning line. It's hard to predict what uh, millions of people are going to bet with uh, hundreds of million dollars going to the pool. I guess it's a little hard to predict. But uh, I, I thought uh, Zandon and Epicenter were a little bit light on the line. I, I don't see anybody in this race going off under 4-1, to 4.2-1, to 4.4-1. to one. Uh, I guess I probably would have made Zandon the slightest favor up the center. I don't know if there's a, a wrong answer to that. Uh, but I would not have made anybody under four to one. I, I might have, I might have been inclined to make, uh, Zandon nine to two, epicenter five to one or four to one, nine to two, whichever. I thought Tabo was high. I'm not a big Tabo fan, but uh, 12 to one seems a little silly. And, uh, no one was 50 to one, which I understand in this era of, uh, you know, every horse gets bet at least something. But I would have horse. I would have made a couple horses in here. 50. Happy Jack should have been fifty to one, right? Um, a couple others come to mind. Um, I thought Cyberknife was a little bit high. Um, there's someone I'm forgetting. Uh, I thought Tis the Bomb was a little bit high. I know people have their their opinions on Tis the Bomb. It's still thirty to one on a horse of that caliber. Seems a little bit high, but I, oh, I thought it was just a little. And it could maybe use a little tweaking. But that's what the public's going to do, right? Right. I mean, yeah. Friday afternoon, this is all going to be meaningless anyway because that's when the uh, the real odds take effect so oh really quick uh, i tell you what i would like to i would i know rich strike eric reed is on the also eligible list do i think that horse has a big chance because no but i would i like to see a local veteran guy such as eric reed the pinnacle of his career get a horse in the derby would like to see him getting in there on derby day yeah that'd be awesome i'd like i like seeing the local veteran guys who i grew up watching grew up wagering i'm a kentucky guy so i i think it'd be awesome if he could get in so i mean we'll see about that but he's 21st on the list it's before nine o'clock if anyone's on friday i believe is how that works if someone scratches he gets in but you know still a tall order at this point who's your favorite trainer that you remember growing up like somebody like ben jones or uh you know i, I guess i got a soft spot a little bit sunny jim, Fitz, sunny jim Fitzsimmons, or i see what you're saying you're talking about me being old right <laughs> Who was uh, Seabiscuit's trainer in the in the movie? I can't, how about that guy? I saw him in real life. How's that? Toby McGuire. Did to, uh, uh, Chris Collins is that the actor's name? Chris, anyway, yeah, getting off topic. Yeah, Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper, excellent actor, excellent sure. movie. All right, so let's get right to it. Uh, field of twenty. Two also eligibles as well, like you mentioned. Rich Strike it will be number twenty-one. Rattle and roll was a late entry, number 22, for the locally-based uh, Lucky 7 stable. Ken McPeak is the trainer there. Jim James Graham would, would ride, a former podcast guest. We'd love to see him in there, too. Absolutely. But uh, we're going to lead off with the real horse. This is Mo Donegal for the Todd Fletcher Barn. Ride Ortiz will ride 10 to 1 on the morning line. Todd Fletcher. Uh, this is, uh, starter number 60, 61, and 62 for him. Prior to this, he'd started 59 before this, uh, two wins, two seconds, four thirds, and a Rod Ortiz. If, uh, yeah, he's, he's 0 for 5, never hit the board in a derby, which is kind of surprising. He's mm-hmm. probably considered maybe top three, top three jockey in the country right now. But, uh, JJ's going to lead off with everything, every horse in the race. Uh, we'll start with Mo Donegal. Yeah, that, that's interesting you mentioned that. I, I remember last year, I believe it was Todd and Arad drew the rail with known agenda, who yes. uh, ended up ninth. So I'm, I'm sure Arad's not not happy to see this again. I, I I know he comes from off the pace and he's technically a closer, but 
the rail automatically puts any runner in a difficult maneuvering position, no matter what their running style is. And I know the gate, the new gate does help, but admittedly, uh, the, the, this horse was in my top tier. I had a top tier of three horses. I moved him down to the second tier after the draw because I, I do believe that it is going to compromise him a little bit. Uh, he does have a lot of pros though. I think stretching out to a mile and a quarter is right up his alley. He's not a one-paced horse. He does his best running late. And uh, his his race with Zandon in the Remsen was an outstanding effort. Uh, I think that was probably one of the best prep races we saw uh, throughout the trail. I, I'm not writing him off because of the rail. It's just that that was such a disappointment for me being so high on this horse, knowing that he's going to have to maneuver from there. I, I still think he has a chance to do very well. But uh, th- th- that did pop the balloon a little bit. All right, anybody else want to chime in on Mo Donegal? You know, one quick thing about Mo Donegal, I've, I've liked the horse a lot. He's got the, he looks like a horse that can run all day, right? And that makes, with, with the horse got that kind of stride, it doesn't make you wonder about having to navigate through traffic on the rail. Uh, that is, that is a concern, but I'm just looking at these late, I didn't realize that his late pace pick in that last race was a 121. That's, I think that might say more about early voting who's not in the race and even about Mo Donegal, because Mo Donegal had a hard time getting by early voting in that race. Early voting is a legit racehorse. So, um, yeah, I, I'm with her. I, I believe the rail hurt the horse. Am I going to say the horses cannot win or factor? No, but uh, it definitely probably hurt the horse a little bit. This horse has really touted himself the last couple of weeks. So he, he looks tremendous. He's in great form. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing, you know, he, he, he did – he ran the career top four weeks ago. We're going to have to get another top out of him. He's going to have to navigate a lot of traffic. That's that's my own concern. I don't like the one hole at all. I think I mean it, either he's going to get really lucky, or he's going to have to go six, seven wide coming off the turn. So that's my concern. I think he can pick up the pieces and get yep. part of this late. So I would use him underneath for sure. Okay. All right. Uh, number two is Happy Jack to the Calumet Farm, son of Oxbow. Doug O'Neill is the trainer, and we know Doug O'Neill has won two Kentucky Derbies. Uh, Nyquist in 2016, I'll have another in 2012, and he'll be ridden by Raphael Bejarano, who's kind of had a resurgence of late uh, in this area. He's 0 for 11 in the Derby, though. His best finish was in 2009 with Papa Clem. And, J.J., your thoughts on Happy Jack, if you have any. Yeah, I don't blame them for taking a shot here. Uh, he reminds me a lot of the sire Oxbow. He's a very gritty, tough type of horse, and he's been knocking heads with Messier and Forbidden, Forbidden Kingdom out west. Uh, he had a great stamina-building mile work at Keeneland, and he looked very strong in his work. Um, but obviously the, the class is a question. Uh, he's, he's been nowhere near those top two, and uh, I think you know he hasn't raced outside of Santa Anita, hasn't really – you know, tried to other top companies. So uh, I, I, I'm not going to have him on my tickets. I don't blame them for trying, but I, I'm not going to have him on the tickets. Yeah, that's the same here. I, I think the horse is just way too slow. He, he'll have to have a massive improvement in speed figures to, to even hit the top half of this field, in my opinion. So, uh, guys, anybody else? I agree. Y'all said that. No <laughs> chance. No chance. Okay. So on to number three, and this is uh, maybe the buzz horse of the draw, Epicenter. It's going to not this time out of a candy ride mare, trained by Steve Asmussen. Of course, we know that he's never won a Kentucky Derby, but he's probably got his name on one soon, and, and this may be the one. And, and of course, uh, 
ridden by Joel Rosario, who won the Derby in 2013 with Orb. And as I don't know if I mentioned or not, Epicenter 7 to 2. JJ, uh, this horse is going to take some beating. Yes. Yes, and and Steve is talking very highly of of Epicenter. He is so confident in this in this colt, which makes me worried uh, <laughs> because uh, I, I, you know you have to take a stand somewhere. And it, it seems like in this race, it's almost like you're either Team Zandon or you're Team Epicenter. Um, Epicenter's done nothing wrong. There's nothing to knock. He showed he's versatile, and he's coming out of what looks like the strongest preps in Louisiana. He also has a win over the track at Virtual Downs, so uh, th- th- there's so much going for him. But my concern is, though, he's never been farther back in, than third in any of his races. And I'm just wondering how he fits into this this pace, project, pace projection. Excuse me. As we go into that first turn there, where is he going to be? He's going to be from the three-hole. I think he could get compromised going into that turn with most of the speed toward his outside. So when you're looking at the Team Epicenter or Team Zandon, um, I hope Steve doesn't get mad at me, but I'm leaning on Team Zandon. When I look at the two of them, I I kind of prefer Zandon's running style. I, I look at how he's coming into the race. I think he's coming into the race better. I'm certainly not saying Epicenter can't win the race, but when you have to take a side, I, I, I lean towards Zandon. Asmussen is 0 for 23 in the Derby. Two seconds, two thirds. The two seconds came 2017, looking at Lee. 2011 with Nero behind Animal Kingdom. Uh, I think that's the, Alan, that's the, the key to uh, to Epicenter's chances is is the draw of getting out of the gate. Where is he going to be early? That's, that's in my mind, that's that's the rub. Yeah, I'll, I'll actually throw this to Brandon because we were talking about this off air, and I thought Brandon had a really good point about how is Epicenter going to break. And uh, go ahead, Brandon, because I, I thought you were on point about this. Yeah, I mean, these two horses to the inside don't seem to have a lot of speed initially or early on. I don't know how they break out of the gate. I'd like to see some gate work. But I think if Epicenter can be ahead of these two and take that rail initially down the front stretch and make the first turn, you're probably looking at your winner right here. So, I mean, those are big things to say, and you got a lot of speed. I think Cox drew not so great with some of his runners in the in the race but that first turn is just always so key and critical that I think this horse the way that this thing runs I, I've never really seen the horse been asked and I was at the LeCompte I saw that race I witnessed it in person uh I think uh god Alan I think call me midnight was your pick <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Which shattered haunt you. it's gonna haunt yeah. you <laughs> yeah and I was like six deep there so I don't know how, what happened in that race that well, but I think the horse wants the distance. I think that Steve has got this horse primed. You get the six furlong work that's, you know, the second to last work. I, I, I'm just, I'm over the moon about Epicenter and how this horse moves. I see him in the morning at Churchill. I think he moves beautifully and effortlessly, and it's like almost an American pharaoh, if you ask me. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, Brandon, he's right about that. I feel like the horse actually didn't draw as bad as people think it is because, like Brandon said, I think he can tuck over better because of the two horses to his inside. My concern is actually what Jay, exactly what J.J. Uh, touched on is the fact that what does happen, if it does happen, then he is forced back uh, into a, in 
and less than ideal trip, right? We know he can stalk. Can he come from five, six lengths back? Just like with any stalker. Right, right. I don't know if he'll – I think he may be able to lay close because of the draw. So it's – I don't blame anybody for taking Epicenter. I mean, like as JJL said, Team Zandon, Team Epicenter, it's almost like you got like to draw a line. I know how I'm leaning. But, uh, I mean, I, I don't like the, – the, the draw doesn't bother me about Epicenter as much as it may some people. But I've just got to take a stand, like she said, somewhere. And I, I wish them the best. And it, up until, like, a couple of weeks ago, I, I thought this was my horse. But I made a decision elsewhere. So we'll see. All right. Let's move on to number four. This is Summer is Tomorrow. Runner-up in the UAE Derby to Crown Pride. Trainer Bupat Simar and rider Michael or Mikhail Barcelona has never ridden in the Kentucky Derby before, but uh, Summers tomorrow maybe one of the most important horses in the race as he'll likely be uh, on or near the lead. So uh, JJ, uh, your thoughts on Summers tomorrow? Yes, and I th- th- I was going to mention that as well. He draws next to Epicenter and could yeah. draw Epicenter into a pace duel because. Yeah. This horse, he's he's been running in mostly sprint races at six and seven furlongs. The stretch out in the UAE Derby was his only stretch out race. And that was actually a very valiant effort. I mean, he almost took them all the way until Crown Pride nabbed him at the wire. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of plot they take with him. If they gun him out and and Epicenter goes with them, it could be a swift pace duel duel into that that first turn. Um, I think this horse's pedigree leans turf and synthetic. Uh, I don't see him in the win spot. Uh, I just see him as a pace factor who might compromise Epicenter. Yeah. He's an important horse in the race because of the pace scenario. He could string this field out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't like him either, but the horse's, the horse's presence is very important in the race. I'm going right. to say Corey Landry won't let him out the gate ahead of him. So, so. <laughs> ow. Corey's been so much experience at Churchill. If he sees this rookie – Started in the Derby, I just got a feeling that Corey's going to break out on top, and this this horse is going to sit behind Smile Happy. We'll see. JJ, can you answer this? Barcelona did did he not win a? Uh, he won an English Derby, right? Uh, I believe so. But my memory is my memory is not good. I'll look it up on the next uh, the next uh, horse we look into. But I, it seems like he rode poor moi in the English Derby one year. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in just a second. But, uh, now the fifth horse here, drawing number five is a horse I'm very, very interested in hearing what everybody has to say. This is Smile Happy. I'm gonna go on a diatribe on this horse in a minute, but, uh, Smile Happy's 20 to 1 for Kim McPeak and Corey Lannery. McPeak has, uh, not won a Kentucky Derby, but looking him up here, he's 0 for 6 lifetime. He did finish second back in 1995 with Tejano Run. Behind Thunder Gulch, uh, he's also finished fifth with Noble's Promise in 2010. And of course, Corey Lannery, like uh, Brandon alluded to, he's a local jock. He's 0 for 5 in the Derby. His best finish though was 2017 on Looking at Lee for Steve Asmussen. But uh, all right, so JJ, I'm I'm very interested in Smile Happy. I'm I'm curious uh, your thoughts on on this guy. Yeah, so happy he's been. He's been very consistent. Uh, that that's the one thing that he's got going for him. I mean, he's never run a poor race. Uh, as a two-year-old, he was, you know, probably considered the best, if not one of the best two-year-olds. He beat Classic Causeway and White Barrio in the Kentucky Jockey Club. But I think he seems to have regressed somewhat as a three-year-old in my eyes. Um, I, I don't see the distance as a problem. 
I, I, he's always been a router to me. I, I don't think the distance is a problem. I think that the other three-year-olds have caught up to him is what has happened. And another thing that worries me about him is, to me, he has not looked well in the mornings. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the past week or so, he's been sweaty. He got outworked by Tiz the Bomb in both works. The second work, you don't really count because that was kind of a mishap. But in the first work, uh, Tiz the Bomb outworked him flat, just flat out, um, which kind of scares me. Because uh, you'll find out what I think of Tiz the Bomb in this race. But I, I just, I, I don't. I think he's regressed as a three-year-old from his two-year-old form, and I don't like the way he's lo- he looks going into this race in, in training life. I, if I if I may, I kind of I agree with JJ. Smile Happy was going to be my uh, underneath horse about two weeks ago, and the more I think about it, I, I actually the pedigree does concern me a little bit, especially Zandon and Bam in the Bluegrass. And again, if, if you've seen any horses where the, the works have maybe worried you off of a horse this these past couple of weeks. And we have to take this with a grain of salt, as always. But, yeah, Tis the Bomb had the jump on him the other day. I mean, I know there was some, uh, she said there was a mishap, but he has looked a bit washy in the races. And it, it was just weird seeing Tis the Bomb that far ahead of him in that work the other day. I know something happened, but Tis the Bomb outworked him the other day. So I, I hate to say it, I have to fade Smile Happy. And I wanted I wanted to play this horse prominently. But that said, I'd be glad to be wrong if Ken McPeak and Corey Lannery can get a win. I'll be more than happy to be wrong, but I'm going to have to fade this horse a little bit against my my better judgment. Yeah, the worst. CC, go ahead. Yeah, CC the, wants to say something. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, but the works in the morning, that is a big difference maker. I've noticed it, too. I, I, I thought that Tis the Bomb, though, was a little headstrong on a couple of them, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Smile Happy was. was washed out. So, so go ahead, CC. All right, well, I'll talk about this horse. I'm on the fence, but he ran a huge, on third grade, he ran a huge fig in his second start. At uh, He won the Kentucky Jockey Club. Uh, he ran a, a fig that made him a bona fide derby contender. He comes back and runs in the Risen Star February 19th. Basically pairs up that number. That's a good sign. That's a good sign of a healthy three-year-old. He comes back in the bluegrass, and I thought he had a really bad trip. He broke from the outside. He was five wide going into the first turn. Uh, he entered the, the far turn three wide. And as they turn for home, the Pletcher horse, Emmanuel, kind of switches out to try to, to to draw alongside of Smile Happy. Smile Happy's getting ready to pass him. And he bumps him just a little bit. He bumps him and he, and he knocks him off stride just a, just a tad bit. You can tell it. And, you know, I don't know if that had anything to do with uh, the – you know, the finish of the race, but I would give him an excuse for that. Now, so he, and he ran basically a point better on third graph. So he did inch forward in his second start. His numbers on third graph put him right with the top horses in this race, which, like I said, though, listening to you guys, he looks horrible in the morning, and I was hoping that McPeak would just kind of maybe – let him put the accelerator down and let's see a, maybe a five furlong 59 and two bullet or something like that. We didn't get to see it. So, you know, is, did the horse, has he regressed? Has he not, is he not doing well since the, the bluegrass stakes? That's, that's my concern. So I'm on the fence. 20 to one is perfect for the horse though. So I'm going to use him underneath. I don't think he can win the race, but I will give him a mulligan on the workouts and I'm going to use him underneath. So that's that's my spiel 
on uh, Smile Happy. All right. Moving right along, number six is Messier from the Tim Yachtin Barn. John Velasquez aboard. This is Tim Yachtin's first Kentucky Derby starter. John Velasquez, however, has won three or four, depending on how you look at it. Uh, officially three. He won with Animal Kingdom in 2011, Always Dreaming in 2017, Authentic in 2020. He also crossed the finish line first last year on Medina Spirit. Uh if it weren't for that, he would be going to tie the all-time jockey uh, wins record in the Derby. But uh, Messier is 8-1 to one coming off second-place finish in the Santa Anita Derby. And I know, J.J., that you're impressed by this son of Empire Maker. Yes, and this is a great draw for this Colt. I, I, I was very glad to see him get this spot. It's perfect. He's he's tough to figure out. He either blows you away or he finishes second. That's his whole career wrapped up in a nutshell. Uh, at first, I thought he didn't like being inside of horses, but then the way he won the Robert B. Lewis discounted that theory. Um, he's fired three really top-notch speed figures in his races. And in the San Anita Derby, I don't believe he was all out off the layoff. Um, you watch that race closely toward the end. He was not all out. They knew second was enough to get in. I know Taba passed him, and, and Taba was very impressive, but th- that race didn't throw me off of, of Messier one bit. Uh, he's got a great stamina pedigree. Um, I have two horses in my top tier right now, two horses that I have as win candidates. This is one of them for sure. Yeah, I, I know this is the horse that's going to beat me. I'm going to go ahead and say it now, right? I have to get my wrap my mind around against some biases that I may have and realize that the winner might be staring me right in the face, or especially with the draw. I thought the draw actually benefited Messier Zane and then Cyberknife the most. And uh, I know this is probably the one. He feels every bit of like authentic, right? It's John Velasquez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, 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 we all know this is the former Baffert horse. And the numbers he's run pre- prior to this uh, have been just scary good before that second place after the Taiba. I was a little concerned when Taiba went by the horse, but then what, but you know, I do believe that, once he knew he was passed, it was a tune-up. It was a it was a tightener, and John Velasquez just quit. You know, he just kind of quit on the horse because I mean there was nothing going to catch him. Forbidden Kingdom was a non-factor. Um, I'm not going to pick him. I, I know I need to keep in mind that he may beat me, and my horse may run second to him, so I have to keep that in mind. But I know the winner's probably staring me in the face, and uh, I've I've got to I've got to address my own biases. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I can't wait to see this horse in the morning. I've never seen it in person, but now that it's on Churchill's grounds, I, I'm going to see it compared to everybody else at 7:30 tomorrow. And if it looks like Justify, then I'll probably have to use him. CC. Yeah, he's my top pick. This is the one. This, this is the winner. I think Velasquez is going to gun him out of the gate. And he's going to look to try to take the lead. If if he can't get to the lead, he's going to lay right off of uh, Summers tomorrow. Uh, this horse is on on third graph. He's he had a big, just like Smile Happy, had a, had a monster two-year-old top, two races. I think we've got a forward move coming. Uh, I think uh, uh, even if he doesn't have a forward move, he's got a shot to, uh, to pair up. And, and, I mean, that's that's probably good enough to win this. So, for me, Messier on top, I'll be be happy if he drifts up from that eight-to-one morning line. I think he gets bet down. I think that's one of the morning lines. I, I think the horse beat six-to-one. Yeah, he'll bet bet down. So I'm not getting my eight to one? No. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) 
Never mind. Enough people are going to know that who uh, that's Tim. Yeah, we'll know that that's Bob Baffert's horse. Uh, oh, yeah. Again, I mean, you know, we can go on and on, but we'll save that for another day. But the horse himself is a contender. I've had to reluctantly admit, acknowledge that he is. So no, he's not only a contender; he's a winner. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just going to. It's just going to cast another dark pall in the race, isn't it? When he wins, it's going to cast another dark pall in the race. So you're, you're correct there. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Number seven is Crown Pride, and this is the Japanese horse that we all know about by now. Uh, the winner of the UAE Derby, trained by Koichi Shintani, ridden by Christophe Lemaire, who is a top Japanese. Well, he's not a Japanese jockey; he's a, a transplant, but he's one of the top jockeys in Japan. He won a lot of big races there. Uh, first mount for, for him and of course first mount for the trainers, or, excuse me, first entry for the trainer in the race. This horse is, uh, three wins out of four starts and, uh, just, uh, watching him train has been interesting in the morning. This horse, I mean, he, cause we, we're, we're saying this about every horse in the race, but this one, this guy really is touting himself. And, uh, JJ, I, I know you've seen this horse in the mornings. Uh, I mean, I, if you think uh, if you think he's fast enough, I mean the pedigree is there. Uh, he's got the right jockey, I think. Uh, got a good post. I mean, what do you think about uh, Crown Pride? This horse a contender. He's the enigma of of this Kentucky Derby. Everybody's fascinated with Crown Pride. His, his training methods have caught everyone's eye from his little dressage circles to his almost daily blowouts. And I I tweeted I have never seen a Derby contender with this much relentless energy. Uh, he reminds me of the way Always Dreaming acted before the Derby. They they can't contain him. They they have to let him blow out because it, he just is at going out of his skin. And it's it's not a rank, you know, it's not like a rank horse or a horse who's agitated. This is a horse who wants to run. He is an absolute absolute monster, absolutely beautiful, fluid mover. Uh, you watch his works. He he gets low to the ground. Uh, his his efficiency is is just perfect. Double cross to Sunday silence. Of course, you know, the, the big Japanese influence in Derby winner. Um, he's not like a, a lot of the other international shippers who've come over in the past who've been horses, uh, horses who, who hadn't done well on dirt. Uh, this is a very interesting horse. I, I'm going to have him on my exotics ticket simply because I have been so impressed with, with the way he has looked and also because I lost out on an enormous Bet in the Breeders' Cup because I told myself, oh, the Japan horses don't win on dirt, and here comes Marsh Lorraine. Uh-huh. Uh, I, those days are over. The, the days yeah. of tossing, especially Japan. I mean, let me look at what Japan is doing worldwide. You, you can't toss a, a horse from Japan just because, oh, it's a dirt race or he's from the UAE Derby. I mean, his UAE Derby race was was very good. There were some decent horses in that race. So the only way that I would downgrade him, though, is if it's an off track, if there's moisture in the track, I would be very careful. Uh, I don't think he likes off tracks too much. But if it's a fast track, I, I'm going to have him in my exotics. Uh, the hype train with this horse, and it's just the way he's looked in mornings. We saw him up close the other day numerous times. Beautiful animal. Uh, 20 to 1, I think the horse gets bet down, don't you, JJ? Yes. Because of the hype train. I, I don't think you're going to get 20 to 1. I think the uh, – with the Japan factor, the way they've been rolling, uh, the way this horse has kind of caught people's attention, I think you're looking at 12, 13 to 1 with this horse. That's all I got. I, I agree with everything JJ said. 
Yeah, I, I, I do too. I think the interesting thing about this horse, I heard this uh, said the other day that uh, the, the barn is not a factory barn. Where you know, whereas they send out a horse, you know, every five minutes, and, and you know, he spends 15 minutes out on the track, and then they get him back, and they wash him, and they put him back in the stall. You know, the, the, this barn, this trainer, he gets to spend 45 minutes on the track with this horse just about every day, or, or whatever they desire to do, 30 to 45 minutes. So, you know, he he gets the special treatment, whereas the uh, the other derby horses, you know, he, he they're they're like I said, they're factory horses. Uh, so you know, this uh, I. I expect this horse to run big if he gets a trip at all. The only my only concern is in three of his four starts. He he's won three of his four starts over seven hundred thousand uh, dollars. Every trip uh, seemed like he was wide in every trip. So he may he may be the type of horse that needs to be wide coming off the turn. That might be a problem from the seven hole. He's also races on the left or he's on his wrong lead coming home. I, I don't know if that be, would be a big deal. I, I don't think they care about that in Japan like we do here, but, uh, you know, that might be a concern if he's on the wrong lead late. So, uh, interesting horse at a price. I think you, you have to use him. Uh, like, like JJ said, the Japanese have really, uh, they're becoming a player on the world stage and this is a race that's on their uh, radar. So, uh, uh, they'll probably get one one day. Next horse in line is Charge It, Son of Tap It for Todd Pletcher, Whisper Hill Farm. It's Mandy Pope, who spent a ton of money in the last few years on broodmares, acquiring some of the best broodmares around. I know she's purchased Havre de Grace and Groupie Doll and, and, and many other millionaire broodmares. Uh, but uh, Luis Saez picks up the mount here for Pletcher. Luis Saez, of course, infamously won or crossed the finish line first in 2019 with maximum security, who was disqualified the last. Saez is 0 for 8 in the Kentucky Derby. But he is probably one of the top uh, three or four jockeys in the game right now. JJ, your thoughts on charging? Yes, and, and we were talking about this earlier. There's so many horses in this race who are so lightly raced, and you, it's really hard to gauge what what you have here because all of the races are good, but they're very inexperienced. Uh, the, there's not much to go on with charging. I can say he's looked very good in the mornings here. There's nothing to knock with his works or the way he's looked uh, going into the race. The only detraction is his greenness. Uh, we all saw the Florida Derby, and now he was very green. But uh, for his inexperience level to run that kind of race shows how talented he is. Uh, this is also a very advantageous post. I would say that the eight post is probably the best post you can get in the Kentucky Derby. So I, I don't have him simply because there's only so many horses you can play. Uh, I think his greenness might be a detraction. The whole spectacle might get to him. But would it be a surprise if he ran well? Not at all. I mean, he's impeccably bred, so there's just not much to go on. Yeah, yeah I tell you, in the like, mornings yeah. when I've seen him back there, he moves better than any horse I've seen, and I, I think the world of this horse. But what JJ said is right. You got three races. That's all you can see in this horse. The Florida Derby. If you watch him, he looked like a pinball, just going mm-hmm. everywhere, back and forth. His head was looking. I kind of surprised they won't put the blinkers on them or some small cups just to kind of keep them forward. But I think this horse has got a ton of momentum. The backside's buzzing with him just on his beauty, how he gallops, just his whole temperament is, is very good. And I, you know, the backside was telling me the other day, they think this horse would win the Belmont, but I was like, man, I think this horse could win the Derby right now, but it may need a few more races and I can see them skipping 
the Preakness just to go to the Belmont. This horse taking it at the Belmont. But uh, this is my top-tier horse. I must play him. If I get 20-1 to 1 on charge it, I would go all over it. So that's my opinion. Good thoughts, good thoughts. Okay, let's go on to number nine. This is Tiz the Bomb for <laughs> Kim Peak and Brian Hernandez Jr., a former podcast guest. And Tiz the Bomb is the winner of the – I keep wanting to call it the Jim Beam Stakes, but it's not. It's the, it's the Jeff Ruby Stakes uh, at Turfway on the poly track. Tis the bomb, 30 to 1 on the morning line. Brian Hernandez, two mounts in the Kentucky Derby, 0 for 2. His best finish was aboard McCracken in 2017. He finished 8th. But, uh, JJ, your thoughts on Tis the bomb? Yeah, the, the better seem to be either be all in on Tis the bomb or totally against him. It's, it's, it's winner all with Tis the bomb. Um, I, I personally am going against him. Uh, I think he's a very talented horse. I think he is a great turf synthetic prospect. Who, I'd take him to Royal Ascot myself. Uh, but in, in a post-race interview after the, the Jeff Ruby, McPeak said he thought himself this colt was better on turf and synthetic. And there was even some hesitancy after that race. Were they even going to run in this race? And, yes, I know he, he did have a win on dirt, but that was because he was on the lead and he never took any kickback. The two races where he's taken kickback, he's performed very poorly. Um, I, I do not think that he's going to like this race where he's going to get a, he's going to be in the fray. He's going to get a lot of dirt in his face. The only way that I would go with this horse is I, I would try to put him on the lead. I, I would, I would try to go try to put him on the lead so he doesn't get any kickback. He could go mile and a quarter with this pedigree. There's no doubt about that. But with with all the kickback, I just he's not going to like that. He hasn't liked it in the past, and I don't see where it's going to be any different here. Alan, uh, before you start, uh, I just wanted to point out. Well, I'm I'm in agreement with JJ. If uh, the only way I would bet this horse if it, the other 19 scratched, <laughs> I'm trying to get fired up. I know I know it's coming. This horse is 30 to one. This horse is 30 to 1. And again, we're going to come back to, and I, I don't understand how, you know, there's this Twitterati nonsense half the time that you have to be all, all on a horse or all against it. And, you know, you maybe you let him run the race once in a while. Do I think the horse, if the horse was 7 to 1, would I play the horse at, at 7? No. Is there a possibility that his one bad effort may have been just because he needed the race that year? Yes. At 30 to 1, I'm willing to take the risk. I think he'll be 25 to 1. He's the most accomplished horse in the field going back to last year. When you add all those factors together, there's this notion that, well, he, he, he can only run good on turf and synth. There's no law that says a horse that runs turf is going to run good on synth. There's no law that says a horse on synth is going to run good on turf. But yet this horse has mastered both of them. When you factor all that in together with the way he, play, he ran the Kentucky Downs and he broke through the gate, looked dead in the water, still won that race come rolling like a freight train against modern games uh, to make it rough. Uh, again, at 30 to one, am I going to take the chance that maybe he's just finding his stride as a three-year-old at seven to one? Would I not? Would I? No. At 31, I will because the race in the Jeff Ruby was visually impressive. Tony Port came back to flatter him in that race by winning the Lexington. Again, I will not be surprised if the horse runs 14. I will not be surprised if the kickback, uh, bothers the horse but the problem is that you give me ken mcpeak you give me brian hernandez at that racetrack you give me a horse with an impeccable resume and a resume unlike anybody we've seen in the derby and a horse that looks so good in his last start i will have this horse 
as a win candidate, not a, not a selection, as a win candidate in an Oaks Derby double on the, to end a pick four because I've got to go contrary somewhere. And at 25 to 1, I'm willing to take the risk. At 7 to 1, I wouldn't. At 25 to 1, I wouldn't. I feel like I'm defending Ed DeRosa because I know he's a <laughs> horse. I understand people's, I don't understand people's logic with the horse, but to say that I can flat toss him when Tawny Port came back as a synth horse and won the Lexington, right? He won from a, from an outside draw. I've got to give this horse a shot at 25, 31. And again, I'm not going to make this codicil statement. That he can, that he is going to win or that he is going to run. I do not know. I'm willing to take a chance with his resume at that price. Does that make sense to people? <laughs> He's not my yeah. top selection, but if he were a shorter price, I would I would probably lean against him. That said, I also want to see Brian Hernandez win a Derby. So yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, so that's my thought process on that. That's and I Alan. thought I kept it pretty calm. <laughs> That's Alan Schneider. His voice has singed the airwaves. <laughs> I'm also, I'd also, because I, I, every horse, time that horse has won, I've cashed on him. So I'm, there's a bit of a, a bias, too. He's like a cavalry charging me. Every time that horse wins, I win. So maybe I'll be his lucky charm and put $2 to win on. Is that what we call vitriol? Is that vitriol? I, like vitriol. I thought it was fairly calm. I just, I just okay. don't understand the hatred towards the horse. I don't get it. Not JJ. I'm just talking in general. You know, if you haven't noticed, Twitter's a cesspool. <laughs> Brandon, you got anything to add? I, I think the horse looks awesome in the morning. I think he's a lot to handle. Uh, you know, I think he wants to run and go run all day. And so it, I think the Jeff Ruby stake really showed me that this horse is, is, has it all together. Now, can it put it all together on dirt? I don't see don't why know. not. I mean, they're always on dirt every day. You know, every day they go out and jog on the dirt. Yeah. So, you know, I don't see, the major difference now, the, the Holy Bull was a big flop, but I, this horse looks like a beast in the morning. I mean, just like it's going to rip your head off. And that's what I kind of like to see. Uh, is, is he hard to handle in the morning? Yeah, I think he is, but uh, I would give him a shot. I guarantee, I guarantee he's top five. I would I would add that he may even handle the dirt and still not be good enough to win the race, right? I mean, he, that, yeah. let's face it, he may even handle the dirt and still be – not as good as this top tier horse. I just said with his resume, his resume at that price, it's it's just it's just mind blowing to me that because I think he's going to be every bit of twenty five to one. Number ten is the morning line favorite. This is Zandon or Zandon, whichever you prefer. Three to one for Chad Brown and Flavian Pratt. Chad Brown's never won a Kentucky Derby. He's zero for six. He did have one second in two thousand eighteen with Good Magic. But I want to talk about his jockey, Flavian Pratt. How about this for a Kentucky Derby record? He's had four mounts, one win, one second, one third. And of course, his win came aboard Country House in 2019 via DQ. The second place finish was aboard Hot Rod Charlie last year. Even though I forgot he that. Yeah, he crossed the line third. But here's the one I forgot. 2017, he rode Battle of Midway. To oh, finish. yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Cool. yeah. Good horse. That was a good one. So, now, without a doubt, this horse has touted himself probably more than any horse in the race, in my opinion. I mean, he just looks like a man among boys. Mm -hmm. The the concern is, uh, you know, the traffic. How's he going to negotiate the traffic? Uh, If if you're a fan of his jockey, that's probably going to quell your fears. But, uh, I mean, J.J., this to me, this is is the horse to fear. Uh, How do you feel? 
Yeah, I, I I want so much to go against because of the low odds and because of his his light race record. But uh, when I watch his works, when I see him, it's it's like, well, you, you'd be you'd be crazy not to consider him. I mean, consider him. He's he's just got it all. He's he, his best asset is his agility. Uh, he can navigate mm-hmm. traffic. Yeah. He, he can swerve. He can dodge. He can. He makes his own trip. Uh, he's a very confident horse too. I mean, he sees a hole and he just goes right through it. He doesn't hesitate at all. Uh, this is the kind of thing you want to see with a horse running in the Kentucky Derby. They're, he's not going to be afraid to to get through the hustle and bustle. And and for a horse that's only raced, you know, a few times, that's that's pretty rare. He he doesn't have a lot of experience, but he he has the confidence to get through. The only knock I have with him is he has had some gait issues. In a couple of his races, he's he's not a good gate horse. I'm sure they're working with him on that, though. I'm I'm sure Chad's worked with him on that. Um, that was my only concern with him is is the gate issues. Uh, with with, with the Team Zandon, Team Epicenter, I gotta go with Team Zandon. His his works. Uh, I, I'm not the biggest fan of solo works. I like works in company, but his his solo works have just been phenomenal. I mean, the rider doesn't even move on on him, and he just floats over the track. So it, 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 I, I can't toss him. I think he's definitely a win candidate. Ditto, ditto. I'm Team Z. I was battling between Epicenter and Zandon looking for something to push me in the right way. And then those, the bluegrass was an outfitter because I was not that high on Zandon. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm never big on horses coming out of the Remsen for one. So I always kind of downgrade them when people kind of think people are looking for a derby prospect to hype up. So they kind of attach themselves to the, the horses that come out of the Remsen and they generally don't really come back to run that well. But not this year with Mo Donegal and Zandon coming out of the rims from last November. Um, I wasn't that crazy about the, the, the Louisiana, the Louisiana Derby or Risen Star where Smile Happy outfinished him. But, man, yeah. I, I, I got to admit I was wrong uh, on Bluegrass Day because I thought Emmanuel was going to win that race. Emmanuel was just cruising up front. I thought he looked good. And then Smile Happy comes after him. And I, I, Zandon wasn't in the picture. Zandon had faded. Had, had let, Pride had let him fall back to last. And he hit the button, and that horse absolutely took off. The horse should have been in traffic, but Pratt did an amazing job keeping him out of traffic. As JJ said, the agility—he almost ran into a horse. He just—he he floated out and went by those horses with such style. It was—it was eye-opening. And then the way he's worked since has—I mean, those two works. You were talking about the horse, the, uh, the rider not even moving on him. It's when he hit the turn and, and galloped out. He's still going strong for like another three eighths. Just looked like a machine. Um, I know pace can be an issue in the Derby, but it, it feels like Chad is confident enough in this horse. He's not entering early voting, who I think is a player. He must be confident in the pace scenario. Uh, if you worry about traffic, is there anybody better to avoid traffic than Flavian Pratt, who's a great turf jockey? That's what they do. They avoid traffic. Right. Cut. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm Team Zandon. I, I'm not one to usually take short price favorites in a, well, it's not really a short price favorite, favorites in a 20 horse field, but, uh, I've been burned by Chad Brown coming out of the uh, the bluegrass before with how he motivated and good magic and even though good magic run well, but it's it, I'm I'm Team Zandon as well and I don't think you'll get three to one I think it's gonna be four to one which makes it a little more palatable, but uh, I'm all in on Zandon. The only thing that scares me is the pace yeah. and will he have enough time to close? That's the only knock against this horse that I yeah. have. My scare is if Messier gets cruising up front. That's my concern. I know. I know. And those are beasts of horses. I mean, is yeah. Zandon going to run that down? I can't say Emmanuel's a great horse that came no. in third at the Bluegrass. It's not a great horse. I wasn't on that horse. You guys were. It wasn't me. I like Zandon that day. And Zandon, 
overly impressed me. But can you do it at the Kentucky Derby when all you see is speed anymore? And whoever comes out of that right. first turn, they lead them all the way around. You know, it's it's just been a long time since you've seen a closer. So that's my only I, – I, I love the horse, though. What's a fair price on the horse, J.J.? What do you want to see? What's your minimum you, you want to see? I want to see four to one. Yeah, I would agree that, that four to one, like you said, would be would be more offable. If he goes down below three to one, that would really be that would be I just, rough. But I, I, just I don't, don't see it. I yeah, don't see I don't it. see it either. Epicenter's got a lot of fans. It, yeah. A lot of people like Epicenter. Epicenter is going to take a lot of money. And Messier is going to come down too. Like I guess yes. my biggest, I can see a scenario where Messier is authentic two point oh, is justified two point oh, and Zandon's running for second. But I think it's I think you'd be hard pressed for Zandon not to hit the board. It feels like Zandon's going to hit the board at least, right? Uh, right. I never like to make proclamations like that because this is a guessing game, correct? But I I'm just relieved that there's a horse that I actually really like this year. There's sometimes you're just kind of hemming and hawing and blah blah blah. There's the horse I actually, and if I lose, I lose. But I like the fact that there's one that I actually really do like. CC, anything about ZZ? Well, yeah, this, the, the, I'll freely admit that this would be the horse I would pick if he wasn't the favorite or close to being the favorite. I, that's, you know, to me, I mean, there's not real fun in picking a, a derby horse that's going to be the favorite. But, yeah, this to me, this is the horse most likely to run his race, you know, whether it be first, second, or third. I mean, it, this horse is incredible in the mornings. And thoroughbred pattern looks like a horse that's uh, really healthy. And, I, yeah, he's going to be there. He's going to be on all my tickets, every single one of them. So. Like, can I mention one thing real quick? JJ, you tell me if I'm wrong. Doesn't feel like Chad Brown's kind of quietly confident about this one. Yes. You get that sense. Yeah, I do too. Yes. He it, it, retweeted that first work, and he just had that, you know, that like a laughing emoji almost or whatever with it. He he feels confident to me. It just kind of comes to the TV a little bit. Yeah, the the trash talk with McPeak, and then then the like you, you you touched on that. That was a very good point about early voting, you know, because he has to consider Zandon in this race because Zandon, you know, is is the the favorite. So he's 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 doing a chess game, and yeah, no, I I agree. I th- I think he he's trying not to to tout this horse, but you can tell he's very confident. Yeah, and that's I mean, in a Derby, a twenty horse field on dirt, because Chad, we know Chad's more known as a turf trainer, but. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. They they got to run the race, and there's some really good horses in here. But he's he's who I'm on. Number eleven is Pioneer of Medina, again for the Todd Fletcher Barn, ridden by Jersey Joe Bravo, who surprisingly has only had three mounts in the Derby. His best finish was 2014 with Danza, and like I said, Pioneer Medina 30 to one, coming off a third place finish in the Louisiana Derby. Took some defections to get into the race, but now he's here. And JJ, does this horse have a shot? Maybe hit the board, hit the superfecta. Well, I'll tell you, I, I was really surprised when Todd did an interview with Scott Hazelton on TVG, and Todd Pletcher said he's live to hit the board. Uh, I about fell over because you don't hear Todd Pletcher say things like that. I thought, is this an imposter or something? <laughs> but uh, for for him to say that made me think twice. Uh, I, I didn't think of, of him as as an exotics pick and, uh, until he said that. Um, he also indicated they're considering taking the blinkers off. They haven't made that decision yet, but he said that they had thought about taking the blinkers off. Um, I don't know what the strategy is with him because he's very green. You watch the replays of his races. He's always running with his head cocked to the side. He's watching the grandstand. Um, he seems like he might be a little difficult to ride, which it's good if they got Joe Bravo because he, he can handle a difficult horse. 
But I thought the blinkers really helped. He won the two races that he ran with, with those blinkers on. He has shown a nice steady progression. But he's just so green and, and seems to, he's, he's more green than charge it, really. So I didn't see him as a play. I didn't have him on any of my tickets. I just, I think it's really interesting though that Todd said that. Pletcher has a history of both in the Oaks and the Derby of crashing, not just the win end of late, but the exotics with monster price horses. So that's what I would throw at that. I mean, you know, who knows, right? Right, and for him to say this, I mean, look at the horses he yeah. has in this race, and he says that about Pioneer Medina. It's like, what? <laughs> it's, it's, and he's, the, he's a consummate trainer speak, right? He's not going to give you too much. He's very professional. He knows this game. So for him to say that, that actually is a, a pretty decent little nugget right there. Okay, let's move on to horse number 12. And this is, uh, to me, this is the mystery horse. As they say, an enigma wrapped in a piece of bacon or something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't know the correct saying, but it, this is Taba is the winner of the Santa Anita Derby in sort of in the footsteps of just five, except uh, one start less, uh, two for two. And for Tim Yachtin, of course, this is a former Baffert horse. For Zidane Racing Stables, of course, we know Zidane Racing won the Derby last year with Medina Spirit before the disqualification. And of course, uh, written by Mike Smith, who has won a triple crown, of course, aboard Justify. And he also won a Kentucky Derby aboard Giacomo back in 2005. He's two for 27 in the big race. So, uh, Tava is the fastest horse in the race. If you go by most of the speed figs, uh, JJ, I, I don't know what to do with this horse. Maybe you can shed some light on, on maybe what we need to do. No, oh, I wish I could. Yeah. I'd- I don't blame him for bringing bringing him to this race after that Santa Anita Derby win, and they almost didn't run him in that race. Uh, but I, it's really hard to tell with this horse because inexperience is is a big question. Only two races, and it's so rare uh, to think that a horse with only two races could could win the Derby. Uh, for me, it's not just the inexperience, but he comes across to me as a fragile type. Um, he. He came out of the race. They, they, you know, he wasn't unsound or anything, but they gave him some time off. He's only going in with one work uh, to this race, or at least so far. He, he could do something this week, but so far he's only had one work. And I was not impressed with that work at all. Uh, he had to have a lot of urging against the workmate to get past the workmate. Uh, I did not think that the work was 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 that great. Um, he's he's kind of a, a smaller but very athletic. He's got a big, powerful back engine. Uh, the back, back hindquarters is just huge. You can see where he gets all this power from. So physically, he looks like a contender. He, he looks like a, he's more grown than his age would indicate. Um, but based on the inexperience, I, I cannot go with him. And also the fact that I didn't like the one work he had going into the race. Yeah, I'll take, I, you gotta take a stand somewhere. I, and I, I'm a believer in that. And I'll just, I'll take a stand against this one. There's obvious reasons why you would like him, but I'll take a stand. I think he'll get bet down a little bit from the 12 to morning line, and uh, can't play them all. I'm, a, you know, it's 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 a refrain, but it's also the truth. I'll I'll take a stand against Tabor. It may be foolish, but so be it, right? This horse looks like a Nashville horse, you know, tons of tout, ran huge races. You can't deny it. And then, you know. A couple, couple, the third or fourth race in, the horse flops. So I don't know what to do with this thing. Uh, it's probably, I saw that race against Messier 
Messier wasn't all out, I don't think. And I looked at this horse, it looked like it was totally out. Like it, I mean, it was running as hard as it's hard out. Yeah. So uh, I don't know, <laughs> but I uh, wish everybody luck. I'm not playing it. <laughs> well, there's two sides to the story here. I, you know, throughout my lifetime, horses like this don't, aren't supposed to win the Derby. It's just too much at one time. It's, you know, two starts, big, big efforts, four weeks between starts now, and this horse is supposed to bounce to the moon. But we know after the last 30 years of watching, or 25 years of watching Bob Baffert train horses, he's had a chance to win five triple crowns. So what does that tell us about Baffert's training style? He He knows how to get a horse to bounce back after – a big effort. He did it with, uh, you know, to get Silver Charm real quiet, American Pharaoh, uh, War Emblem, and Justify to get them through the Triple Crown rigors. He's a master. Uh, whatever means he uses, he's a master at getting these horses to bounce back after big efforts. And we know Baffert's calling the shots. Or he's got to be calling the shots. I know Tim Yakteen is the, the trainer of record. This horse, uh, yeah, I, I'm like JJ. I didn't like the work. Uh, I think I think the the horse is showing signs of the big effort on April 9th in the Santa Anita Derby. But, you know, we know they they know how to do something to get these horses to bounce back. So I think the horse is a danger. I'm not using him on top, but, you know, if I'm playing defensively and he's eight, eight or nine to one, I think you, you need to consider him just because he's the fastest horse in the race. And uh, I don't know. That's uh, it's it's hard to make a decision, but uh uh, we'll go on to the next horse, number 13, is Simplification for Antonio Sano, uh, ridden by Jose Ortiz. Simplification finished third in the Florida Derby last time. Uh, Antonio Sano, of course, has never won a Kentucky Derby, but I think everybody will remember uh, probably his best horse. I, I've already forgotten his name. Gunavera. Gunavera, yeah. Gunavera, uh, he finished seventh in 2017, but Gunavera was a, was a top horse for, for this farm. And... Uh, you know, this is another one I'm on the fence on. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to rely on JJ to set me straight. Yeah, this this is this is a tough one because he's had two huge works at Gulfstream going into this race. Uh, just the the whole buzz at Gulfstream Park was was his two works. I know Junior Alvarado came off and said this horse is going to win the Derby, and everybody went nuts. Um, he's he's a very interesting horse. He's got experience, which is a big plus in in this race. Uh, he also is a little bit like Zandon in that he's very agile. Uh, he, he can navigate through traffic. Uh, the thing about him is, though, he does have a habit of switching off leads often during a race. Uh, some of his races, he's been on his left lead, and then he'll switch off. I don't know if that's just his running style or if, if you know, he's getting tired. I, I can't tell if, if which one it is. He has an interesting pattern of winning, and then he comes back with a decent non-win. Uh, based on his pattern, he would be sitting on a, a pretty big race. One detraction is he's never raced away from, from Gulfstream Park. And also, we don't know for sure if he's really a mile and a quarter horse. We, we don't know compared to some of the other horses in the race where we can pretty much say we know they're going to get it. With simplification, do you, do you know? Well, not for sure. Um, one thing I will say is I think this horse does move up on an off track. I know, I know the buzz has been there with simplification with the works and such. I didn't like the way he stopped in the Florida Derby. It was a kind of a no excuse third. But then I started thinking to myself, well, Mandaloon had a, he threw in a clunker too, right? So yeah. 
And that's why I come back with Tis a Bomb, Tis a Bomb. They're, they're entitled to throw a clunker once in a great while. That would have uh, that would have called a, been called a clunker to me. Um, I'm a little torn on the horse because I hear such good things about it in Florida, but again, never been outside of Florida is a, is a concern too. So at 30 to one, 25 to one, I can understand why someone would would take a shot with this one. I, I'm a little torn on what I will do right now, but as of now, you know, I, I'll wait and see how the price goes. I can't see how this horse doesn't have a wide trip though. That's what concerns me the most, and, and he's had a lot of starts this year. He's already had four starts. So that typically points that, you know, he's, he's not going to move forward and he's going to need a forward move to win this and, or even to get a part of it. So I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm down right. on simplification. You're saying you're over simplification, right? Correct. There you go. <laughs> go, ahead. go ahead. Moving number 14. on. You know, back in the old days, uh, number 14 was the last stall in the main gate and then they would go to the auxiliary gate. And now the- we're the auxiliary gate, baby. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, 14 is, uh, Barber Road, and this horse is, uh, 30 to 1 on the morning line for John Ortiz, Ray Lou Gutierrez, both rookies making their first appearance in this race. Uh, Barber Road, two for eight lifetime. He's won over $600,000. You could have claimed this horse back at Keeneland last October for $30,000. But uh, he comes in off a, a second place finish, closing second place finish in the Arkansas Derby. A horse that probably will be closing late. Uh, JJ will, Barber Road, make it on to your Superfecta tickets. Yes, this is the lovable long shot. He's always right there in the mix, and he, he sneaks up on you in the stretch. There he is, right? But actually, if you look, early in his career, he was not a deep closer. Uh, he won races. Actually, he was a front runner in one of his races, and he was near the pace when he won a race here at uh, Churchill Downs. And interestingly, uh, Ortiz said that he envisions Barbara Road. He wants him to be placed mid-pack. He does not want him to be far back, and I think that's a very good strategy in this race. I um, also noticed that some of his races, when he was hit with the right side stick, he would react and shy, which would which would would cause him to to halt, which is what you see in these races when he backs up a little bit with his momentum. Then when he switches to the left, he just spurts forward with with immense energy. So I'm sure that they're working on that, and they're going to avoid hitting him on the right. They'll they'll use the the whip on the left. I think that's going to make a big difference in the stretch run. Uh, the question is, will he be fast enough to reach these front-running horses? I mean, you have to think, is Barbaro going to catch Messier, or is he going to catch, you know, some of these horses on the lead and catch up to them? I have Barbaro on my exotics tickets. I don't have him in the win, but I have him underneath because I just think this, if they can fulfill their strategy of having him mid-pack, I, I think he could definitely close the gap. He could get third or fourth. I'm in agreement. I think, you know, it, it, there's a chance they go too fast. In this derby. There's, there's some horses mm-hmm. that really want to be on or near the lead. And I think, uh, you know, we've seen it a hundred times before. It's, you know, horses like make music for me and, and those types, what, what, whatever, uh, they'll come running late. Barbara Road is, is no different. There's, there, you know, there's a chance with the right trip that he gets part of this. 15. White Abario. Now, this is another interesting horse. This is uh, for Safi Joseph, his first starter in a Kentucky Derby, ridden by Tyler Gaffleyon. And let me pull him up here. Uh, but White Abario comes in off a of victory in the Florida Derby. And uh, yeah, Tyler Gaffleyon, 0 for 4, his best finish 2019 with War of Will. JJ, this, this horse is interesting to me. He's had two starts this year. First, he won the Holy Bull back in February. Prior to that, 
supposedly had missed a, a work or two. And then he runs in the Florida, he, win, he wins the fountain, or excuse me, he wins the Holy Bull. Then he runs in the Florida Derby. I think, uh, it was a genius move to skip the fountain of youth. Right. He, he runs in the Florida Derby, but I, I hear again that he, he might have missed another work or he, he'd gotten sick, uh, prior to the running of that race. He wins both races and rather impressively. Uh, I, I don't want to use this horse, but man, he's been impressive this year. Just two starts. Yep. I don't know why no one talks about this horse. He's, he's to me, he's the Rodney Dangerfield of this Kentucky Derby. Uh, he had an outstanding work on April 24th in company. Absolutely blew his workmate, blew past him. The gallop out was phenomenal. That was by far the best pre-derby work of any derby contender so far. It was the best. Oh. Yeah, it, it was the best. Watch it on the Gulfstream. Go to YouTube and watch it on the Gulfstream Park site on YouTube. You will be blown away by that work. They, they say he's had some easy trips, um, but the Florida Derby, it wasn't so easy. I mean, he was he was fifth at one point, and he had to navigate some traffic. Uh, he has taken dirt. He's not a horse like, you know, who hasn't had that have some adversity. He's, he's had some adversity. Uh, the, the, the knocks against him are his, his lone loss was at Churchill Downs in the Kentucky Jockey Club. If you watch the replay, he got trapped behind a wall of horses and, uh, it wasn't a surface issue. I think he just, he got a, he got a rough trip. He got behind that wall and it took him a while to get going to the outside. So you have to worry about where he's going to be placed. My other concern with him is the shipping. Yeah, you are correct. Two, two fevers on two different occasions. Um, obviously, though, he came back and did fine, which says a lot about his fortitude. Um, I'm hoping that he shipped okay. Um, I would really like to see how he looks. I think the rest of the week he needs to be monitored to make sure that, that he looks okay post-shipping. Uh, I have two top picks in this race. One is Messier. The other is White Barrio. Oh, okay. I love it. I love yeah, it. I like it. I like that. Uh, I know I have – it's an interesting point you make about Rodney Dangerfield because I think I have undersold the racehorse myself, and that's because of the uh, – maybe people have this this notion the racing in Florida wasn't as, as strong this year, but the horses look good both times. And we ought to mention Tyler Gaffleone is Mr. Churchill Downs of late. I right. think we have a tendency to overlook that. He's won six meets in a row, and he knows this horse very well. You know, there's that, there's that, that knock that Safi Joseph can't win outside Florida, and that's – you know, until you do it right. I mean, that's going to be uh, a bugaboo that kind of haunts you. But I also realize that I need to give this horse more respect. Uh, listening to JJ actually pushes me a little bit more in that scenario. But again, we can't play them all. So right. I, I am Zandal on the top line, but I will re- acknowledge that I may have to give Arbari a little bit more. And I know I've been guilty of this thus far. You always have to take a little self reflection once in a while and, you know, and I think I have undersold the racehorse, and I'm starting to warm up the horse more than I probably should have all along. So Safi Joseph did win a couple of races at Keeneland. He he did yeah. lose early on yeah. with a one to five shot in a maiden race, but he did win a couple of races. So he, you know, uh, for what that's worth, he did he did win here. In he Kentucky. beat Jackie's Warrior up at uh, New York in Saratoga last year too. Right. Belmont, uh, Bel- Belmont, I should say. Yeah, you have to respect this horse. I mean, on thoroughgraph, he's he's moved forward in every single start. That's that's about as healthy a pattern as you can have. So, you know, maybe this is uh this is uh this is the horse to uh to to consider going forward. So, uh number sixteen is Cyberknife from the Brad Cox barn. Of course, uh 
Brad Cox is now a Kentucky Derby winner via the, the moving up of uh, Mandolin from uh, last year's Derby, where, uh, where he finished second to Medina Spirit. But uh, Florent Giroux takes the mount, and Giroux has had uh, five starters in the Derby, and, of course, he won with the Mandaloon. Uh, the, his next best finish was with Gunrunner in 2016. Gunrunner, of course, the sire of several of the, the top Kentucky Derby contenders. But uh, uh, now Brandon is frothing at the mouth as we speak. I know he wants to talk about this art, but we're going to make him wait just a minute and, and let JJ uh, tell us about uh, the, the chances of, of Cyber Knight. Uh-oh, I, I get to be contrarian then. Uh, <laughs> well, the, he has a mid-pack running style that's certainly good for, for this race. I, I like his running style. Uh, he He's a quirky fellow, though. He he, he can be high-strung before races. Uh, in all of his races, he's, he's veering left and right. Um, in his second start at Churchill Downs, he, he was poised to win, and then he just suddenly started switching leads and moving around, and he lost the race. Um, they've obviously tried various methods with him, including blinkers, but I, I just think it's his personality. He's very green. Now, he's trained very well here at Churchill Downs. He had an outstanding work on April 23rd. That work was the talk of Churchill Downs. It was an excellent work. Um, I think he really likes this surface. I think that's definitely a plus for him, but I'm going to go against because I think his greenness is really going to hurt him in this race. You, you can't be veering out and bobbling in the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, JJ, you're, you're probably right. Um, I, I don't know, I don't know yet. I'm not totally sold on Cyber Knife in the mornings. Um, the works are good. I just, uh, the, the post has me questioning and you got Messier and some other more speed favoring horses, you know, in front of them. I, I don't know. I'm sorry, Brad. I just don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I like the horse. I, I, this be my second pick. I, I've been waiting for Cyberknife to, to really show the, uh, show his stuff. And we was at Mike Lennox a couple weeks ago for the WHS event with Jill Christophe, Scott Shapiro. Great, great event. And, uh, Sakaya Schuler, shout out to Sack was there. Yeah. And I asked her who she, yeah. I asked her who she liked in Derby and she made it simple for me. I know she likes, uh, she told me she likes Epicenter quite a bit, but, uh, she made it, I mean, just a, a great point. It's like, she said, I like Cyberknife. She's like, because Brad Cox loves this racehorse. That's what she said. And sometimes we we're talking about simplification. Sometimes we, we have a tendency to make this stuff too confusing. That alone is, is good enough for me at, at 20 to 1. I like the draw in the 16 hole. Um, I know the horse may not have been fast enough. I know the horse has some issues with, with the mind, but it does feel like it's coming around. I know this is your typical sucker pick or something, but I have to have this horse on my ticket. As she said, Brad Cox loves a horse. We have a tendency to forget because of the, the drama from last year's Derby that Brad Cox ran second and fourth at the wire less than a length of, less than a length off the win, right? Uh, he almost swept the Derby last year. Uh, so if this horse is moving forward, that's good enough for me to use at the price. He's 20 to 1 in the morning line. I don't think he's going to be, I think he'll get bet down a little bit. Not, nothing crazy. Maybe 14, 15 to 1. But I'm willing to take a shot. Uh, to put him, I would say, in the second slot. Uh, again, he could he could go batshit crazy, right, and not <laughs> and and have it not work out. But uh, I've always been admired the talent. And am I getting suckered in a bit? Yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm solid in the win and with Zandon. So um, I'll, I'll throw, I like Cyberdeck more than apparently the rest of you guys do. Number seventeen, Classic Causeway, thirty to one on the morning line. Brian Lynch, his first Kentucky Derby starter. Julian Leperu, 
has 13 mounts and looks like the best finish was in 2017 with board classic empire. Hmm. So, uh, JJ, this horse dropped out of the consideration and then, uh, after a poor effort in the Florida Derby, but, uh, the connections decide to uh, re-enter him onto the Derby trail, but, uh, looks like his chances are long. Yeah, I think it's interesting too, uh, because he's, he's looked really good, uh, since, since he came out onto the track. He, his work was good and he's, he's looked really good. There's a lot of interesting back play going on with this horse that people should know. And if, if you're not on Twitter, you may not know about all that's happened. This horse has a bone growth, um, that, that protrudes out of his jaw. Um, Barbara Livingston posted a picture of it on Twitter and it's actually, it's, it's pretty big. And Brian Lynch said that all along they've had trouble putting equipment on this horse because of this bone growth. So we were talking about what happened in the Florida Derby. And he's, he scoped clean. He, he health wise, he seems good. But, but Brian said it's possible that he had an epiglottis issue, which you look at Forbidden Kingdom, that's what happened to him in the Santa Anita Derby. Whenever you have a really high velocity speed horse that just stops like that, it's most often an epiglottis or a flipped palate type issue. And sometimes you don't know. Sometimes it, it doesn't show up. What they've done is they've put a tongue tie on them and they're using a drop nose band. And I think that this, this will help this horse significantly. I, in a situation too, they brought him back too quick after the Tampa Bay Derby. They, they put him into this mm-hmm. race. They brought him back quick. So do I think he's a long shot? Yes, I think he's a long shot to win. I, I do see him, though, moving over from this, this post. He's, he's going to gun it out of the gate. He's going to move over from this post, and he's going to try to get a decent position. He rated in the Kentucky Rocky Club. He rated in that race. He, he doesn't necessarily need to be on the lead. So what I would tell people is I think he's a long shot. I don't have him in my win spot. But if you're a fan of Classic Causeway and you were disappointed by the Florida Derby, I would tell you don't don't give up if you like him because some of the things that they're doing with this horse leads me to believe that he might rebound and he might perform pretty well. Good info. At sixty to one, that's good info. <laughs> exactly right. Let's go to number eighteen. This is Tawny Port, another one from the Brad Cox stable, winner of the Lexington Stakes last time. It's gonna be ridden by Ricardo Santana Jr. Uh, Santana has seven mounts in the Derby. His best finish, 2020, aboard Max Player. Uh, JJ, I, what I didn't like about this horse, uh, too many efforts. I mean, this year, four four starts. They 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 tried to they wanted to make sure they made the Derby field. Worried about that that Lexington effort maybe taking too much out of him. What what, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, if I don't like to do the toss game, you know, toss this horse, toss that horse. But if, if there was one horse that I was going to say I, I would would not choose to put on my ticket for, this would be the horse. I don't like his chances at all in this race. Um, I, I don't like his race history going in. I, it, you know, I, I know that he won the Lexington on dirt. I mean, I'm not saying he, he can't win on dirt. But from a class, just from a class perspective, I mean, just looking at him compared to a lot of the other horses in this race, I don't see him beating some of these class horses. Yeah, I agree. But how about Turfway Park in the house? Uh, that's uh, this horse broke his maiden at Turfway Park at the beginning of the year. It was it was a draw dropping 
effort. Yeah. I mean, neither the horse was better than those horses he's running against Turfway. So, and he's accomplished a lot in a short time. And uh, so there's a, a bit of part of me that would like to see him run well because of the Turfway thing. But I'm with you. I think this is a little, a little tall task to order. Although the horse has really accomplished quite a bit in a short time. Yes. Fade it. Fade it. Yeah. Number 19 is Zozos, another from Brett Cox, the third horse of, of his trio of starters. Manny Franco will ride. This horse is 20 to 1 on the morning line after a second place finish in the Louisiana Derby. Manny Franco 0 for 3 in the Derby, but he did finish second in the COVID year, 2020, with Tis the Law. Uh, JJ Zozos, uh, I was fairly impressed in the Louisiana Derby. I don't like the post though. Right. Yeah, the, the post is a big drawback for him and his running style, I think, because he's going to be way, way out there. And in between, as, as far as being a speed horse, I, I would prefer Classic Causeway's got a better angle than than Zozo's does. But he, th- this is another lightly raced colt. I mean, he's flashed a lot of talent in his races. I mean, he, he showed the ability to rate in his first two races, and I thought that was an outstanding effort in the Louisiana Derby. Um, you know, it's it's just whether or not what kind of position he can get into from this this outside post. I think his pedigree also leans more toward uh, sprint or middle distance. He's by Munnings out of a forestry mare that doesn't scream a mile and a quarter to me. Uh, he's, he's looked fine in the mornings. There's nothing to knock with the way he looks. His works have been very good. He worked very well with Cybernot. But, um, yeah, that, that post is a big detraction for him. This, this is a Colt who could have a very nice future. I, th- I think he, he could have a very nice future, especially at middle distance races. He's been a bit of a buzz horse this week, and a lot of people like him. Uh, and, again, I go back to it's Brad Cox, right? And, Brad, again, Brad Cox almost uh, had the exact in the Derby last year. Uh, so I'm not going to put anything past him. He's, I think even though he's a bit of a buzz horse, he will get forgotten on the board. So if you do like him, 25-31 is reasonable, especially from the 19 holes. So, uh, again, lightly raced, but uh, not without merit. I mean, uh, there's going to be a nice horse in the future. Will it happen on the, this this Saturday? I don't know, but someone to keep in mind, I suppose. Yeah, I like this this shot out of all the Cox horses here. I like the lightly raced Sozos. I think the horse will get the distance. Uh, Brad's built, building a lot of endurance in him with these big works in the mornings. He looks flashy to me. I, I think this horse is much better. Uh, just visually than the other two that he's got starting. So I, I'm definitely playing this horse underneath in my supers. Nice. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any reason why this horse can't run his race. I mean, the, the, the only concern for me is that, like I said, the 19 hole is going to almost ensure a wide trip when, it, you know, the type of horse like this might need to save ground. So he'll be on my tickets just underneath. Number 20 is Ethereal Road from the Lucas Barn, Luis Contreras. Of course, uh, Lucas has won the Derby several times, Winning Colors, Thunder Gulch, Grindstone, uh, Charismatic. You know, he's, he's uh, one of the greatest of all time, especially, uh, I think this is his 50th Derby starter. So uh, congratulations to him on a great career. But uh, this horse, Ethereal uh, Road, I, I don't see it. No. Do you, JJ? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, he'd have to, he'd have to, even D. Wayne said, yeah, he'd have to step up quite a bit. He's, he's happy to be in the race, but he said, yeah, he's going to have to step up. He's, he's really going to have to step up to meet the challenge. And, and I agree. Poor, poor D. Wayne, he got the rail in the Oaks with Secret Oath and he got the 20 with, with Ethereal Road. So he, he got the brunt of the draws, but, but yeah, I, I can't play him, but, but based on his, his, his previous two races, I just think the others are, are a little bit, it, a little bit more advanced at this point. Yeah, you don't like Tony Port and Tony Port beat him by beat him by a city right. block, and 
in the Lexington, and I, I'd rather see Rich Strike get in there. I like again, as I mentioned earlier, I like to see Eric Reed get in the Derby. So uh, I'd rather see Rich Strike in there, but Ethereal Road, no. I mean, I, that, that, this horse may be battling with Happy Happy Jack as the longest shot. Well, maybe not because Lucas may take some money. But uh, I was making a case this could be the longest shot in the field, but no, probably not. Okay. Who's the longest shot? Who's the longest shot in the field? I would think Happy Jack, unless everybody bets the bets the name. Yeah, the name might do something. Summer is tomorrow, maybe. The people won't know much about. It. I don't know. We'll see. All right, final Jeopardy time now. I'm going to ask each of you to state your top pick for the race, uh, your best long shot, and who you think will be in the lead as they approach the uh, quarter pole going into the first turn. So, okay. uh, JJ, we'll go to you. First, uh, your, your top pick, best long shot, who has the lead going into the first turn? Okay. In my top tier, my top tier is White of Barrio and Messier. Underneath the second tier would be Zandon and Mo Donegal. Um, the long shots to watch are Crown Pride and uh, Barber Road for Exotics. Ooh. And going into the first turn, who has the lead? Uh, Epicenter. Wow. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah, we'll, we'll change up the question. Yeah, give, give us your tiers, uh, best uh, best long shot picks uh, and whatnot, and who do you like in the first turn, Alan? Uh, my tier, I'm, I'm going to keep it simple, is one horse. I know Messier is, is problematic, but, but Zandon is the one at the top. Uh, I guess on the second tier level, I would toss in uh, Cyberknife, uh, White Barrio, Messier, and I got to throw Tis the Bomb in there and Epicenter. I know it's a lot, but I've only got one on top. Long shot. The long shot is, I mean, I just I mentioned it, Cyberknife and um, Tis the Bomb. <laughs> I guess I should throw White Barrio in there, too. Oh, what the who, hell? Who has the lead going into the first Who game? has the lead? I'll say Summer is tomorrow. I think they're just going to be happy they're there. It's a, it's a new trainer. I think it's his <laughs> first year. I think they're just going to punch the gas. But then against a foreign horse, they may not break that well. But I'll say Summer is tomorrow. Okay, Brandon. I've already stated my first turn horse. I think it's going to be Epicenter. Uh, it's my top horse with Messier. I put Crown Pride as probably a, a long shot. I really like charge it as my B horse a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And simplification. That's really kind of a long shot. And then I'm putting Zozos. I think Brad still gets a piece of this with Zozos. But that's all. That's all I could kind of focus in on. Kind of what I've seen in the mornings. I'm really excited to see the new shippers uh, out on the track tomorrow morning. I'll be out there. And um, I wish the best to Tis the Bomb. I really want that horse to get get a piece, but fourth would be okay with me. CC? Uh, Messier on top. Zandon would be right with him. And then my, my long shots, I, I'm not going to leave out Brad Cox, uh, Cyberknife, and Zozo both. And, yeah, I, I think they're not going to overthink it. I, I don't think the Aspison Barn wants to be caught behind horses. Going into the first turn, I think they're going to gun epicenter, and he's going to be uh, vying for the lead, maybe with uh, Classic Causeway or Summer is Tomorrow, somebody like that. But uh, yeah, epicenter on the lead going into the first turn. Okay? I can see that. I think you guys make a good point there. I can see, I can see. I may have to rethink that, but uh, I mean, he may he may be happy to think they're good enough to play catch me if he can. I understand that. Okay, JJ, we're running out of time, but we I do want to get an oak selection from you as well. Yeah, well, I, in the Oaks, gosh, this is such a tough one. <laughs> um, 
I, I would say that I, I think the best win candidate is Nest, but I, I would look very closely at Hidden Connection at a ridiculous 20 to 1. Uh, she was a nose away from beating Echo Zulu. She is forwardly progressing. I really like Hidden Connection. I would definitely look at Shahama for your for your exotics. And Nostalgic is also a long shot to watch. Outstanding. You heard it here first. Uh, I cannot tell you how happy we are to have JJ join Amen. us. Amen. Yeah. She is a fountain of information. I've said that before. Uh, JJ, so so grateful that you uh, you joined us this evening. And, and uh, like I said, we, we got to meet up here at some point. We haven't we haven't found you yet at Churchill, but we're gonna we're gonna hunt you down. Okay. Yes, we've got to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much what. for having us. Well, one one last thing. JJ is fantastic. I mean, she we we have her here all the time because she's that good. Brag about her all the time. People ask us to have her on. They want to have her on. She she knocks heads with anybody in this game. And uh, we're we are uh, enthralled that you come on. We, are, we it's, it's it's a thrill for us. So uh, you probably pointed me in a couple directions that I wasn't ordinarily going. So again, thank you, JJ. Oh, I I can't thank you guys enough for having me on. It's such a it's such a joy. I look forward to it every time and. And this time of year, it's so much fun to to be able to talk talk about the Derby. Yeah, as good as it gets with this with this one right here, folks. As good as it gets. Okay, that concludes the 2022 Auxiliary Gate Podcast Kentucky Derby Seminar. On behalf of Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and our guest JJ Heisel, I'm CC Broadus, reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.